Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Well, today we are celebrating Father's Day and also closing out our series that we've been in called Man of the House. Uh, And where we started three weeks ago was that if you are a husband, if you're a dad, or if you're a granddad, then you've been given a massive role to be the man over a house the man over your house. And maybe for those of you who are young men, whether that's junior high, high school, or maybe a single guy in the room, chances are one day God could give you a role to be a man over a house. So you better start prepping now. So over these three weeks together, we've gone very intentionally into God's word, into the lives of men to talk about what does it look like for a godly man to be a leader over his house and over all those that he influences. And I just want to say, man, congratulations to some of my guys. Some of you have worked hard to be here for all three of these weeks to make this investment. You got your family here. Uh, you drug them through long weekends to get to this moment. Man, I'm proud of you, okay? If you haven't or if you've missed any part of our series, All of it is posted online, uh, and so you can hop back on there and watch the video or also check out the podcast. Now, ladies, I'm grateful that you've made it back three weeks too. You have done a fantastic job during this series. I haven't gotten any emails from our guys saying that my wife has been pestering me or calling me out at the dinner table, so I just want to tell you congratulations on that. You have bit your tongue. You've done a fantastic job. No, uh, again, just one more time, man, my reminder to you is that you have a huge role in the life of your men uh, to be an encourager, to be a respecter, and to be a supporter towards their role as men because, ladies, I think you'll back me up that when we have strong men, when men step into their calling to be who God's called them to be, it ultimately changes our marriages. And then we have better families. We ultimately have a better church and then we have a better community. And so over these three weeks, thank you for allowing us to make that investment into the lives of your men. American author uh, Gary Vaynerchuk said, please think about your legacy because you're writing it every day. Think about your legacy because you're writing it every day. Men, we must all realize that as leaders, which is our God-given role, as we've talked about during this series, that we have an impact far beyond just us, far beyond just us. God is not just looking at our life now, but God is looking at who we impact now and then ultimately from now on. Men, we have been given an eternally significant role to be an impactor of others. And this is a sobering thought, especially if you're a guy who's willing to admit that you don't have it all together that maybe there's some areas that you are imperfect, to realize that God looks at the full scope of our life, not only when we are here, but ultimately the impact that we leave after we are gone. Pastor Tony Evans says a messed up man leads to a messed up family. Messed up families make messed up churches. Messed up churches leave messed up cities. Messed up cities form messed up states. Messed up states make a messed up country, and messed up countries give us a messed up world. Therefore, the only way to have a better world is to have better countries which produce better states, which make better cities, which come from stronger churches, which happen because of stronger families, which come from better men. Fellas, the role that we have fills so many gaps in our community, in our churches, in our families, and in our relationships. And God has given us an eternally significant role to lead, to be the man over the house or to be the man over whatever, whoever those are that you influence in your workplace, at your school, on your sports team, in your sphere of influence. If you have a copy of scripture today, I want you to go with me. Psalm 128. 
Psalm 100, chapter 28. If you'll split your Bible in two and you're good at halves, then you're probably going to land somewhere around Psalms. And I'd love for you to go to Psalm 128. We're going to put those verses on the screen behind me. Psalm 128 is a psalm of ascent. It's a psalm of ascent, which meant that in these days, people had certain songs that they would sing as they prepared for worship. I'm not sure maybe what song you sang on the way to church this morning. Maybe not one that you want to sing in church this morning. We're glad you're here anyway. But in these moments, man, these people had songs that prepared them for worship. And so Psalm 128 was one of those. But what we see in Psalm 128, it gives us a picture of the circles of influence when God blesses people. And young men, husbands, fathers, grandfathers, we must realize today that we don't live on an island. That the life we live, the legacy that we leave, impacts not just us, but it impacts everyone around us. Men, you are impact makers. You are influencers with all those around you in increasing effect. A couple of weeks ago, I went outside to cut the grass at my house, and to go outside, it was hot. I just threw on some athletic shorts and the old, one of the old tank tops that I had in the drawer. Yes, my wife condemns my uh, cutting grass clothes, but it's okay. I'm securing my manhood, and it's hot outside, all right? And so I was outside for about 30 minutes cutting the grass on the ride mower, got off, and about that time, my five-year-old son walked out to the backyard, and he had dressed himself in athletic shorts. And you guessed it, the one tank top that he had in his drawer. It was sun's out, guns out, just like Papa, all right? Men, listen to me. What you say, how you act, and where you lead, those around you are following. Whether you realize it or not, you are leaving an impact on those around you. And so today, what I want us to see is I want us to see four different areas that a godly man makes an impact. Four different areas of life that a godly man, a man over the house, makes an impact in life. Now, we're going to read all of Psalm 128 together, all six verses, and then we'll go back and walk through them. Here's what the psalm says. Psalm 128 verse 1 says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. Now, let's stop right there for just a second. Ladies, children, here's what this means today, that although I'm going to be speaking very directly towards the lives of our men, the psalmist says here that blessed are all those who fear the Lord. So what I'm going to say today very much applies to your life as well. Verse 2 says this, You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And may you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. What I want us to see today is how Psalm 128 celebrates the life of a man who follows God, who loves him, and ultimately leaves an impact. And so the first area, fellas, that I want you to see that a godly man creates impact is a godly man impacts his personal life. A godly man impacts his own personal life. Verse 1 that we just read says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? I believe there are a few different things that that could mean. For some people, it could mean a literal physical fear or being afraid, a literal fear of God. The truth is, maybe for some of us, that's where we need to start. Hebrews chapter 10 says it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God is a God of love. God is love, as 1 John tells us. But God is also a God of wrath and judgment towards sin. In other words, fellas, God don't play when it comes to sin. He takes it seriously. 
And what we realize there is that sometimes that causes real physical fear in us, but it should not stay there. But the physical fear should ultimately lead us to a place of reverence and awe for God. You see, the second way that we could see this fear of God means this. The fear of the Lord means a sense of respect and honor for him. A sense of respect and honor for him. It's kind of like electricity. Could we just all agree electricity is a good thing? If you don't think it's a good thing, just wait till the power goes out, right? In the middle of June. Electricity is a good thing, right? It produces power to uh, run the AC, to keep the lights on, to cook our food, to power all of our electronic devices. Electricity is a really good thing until you play with it the wrong way and then it will smoke you. Electricity on its own is not bad, but if you play with it the wrong way, it could be dangerous. Electricity, when you respect it, brings great blessing to your life. And Psalm 128 says, fear the Lord with honor and respect with honor and respect. Then I believe once we get to that place of fearing God with this reverence and awe and respect, then it moves us to a place of ultimately having affection and love for God. What he's saying here is that we will realize how good God really is. And one of the ways that we primarily see that is we understand God's goodness to us through Jesus, through the cross, what we celebrated this morning. And so when a man is moved from physical fear to reverence and all fear, then he ultimately lands in a place of worship in his personal life. He lands in a place of worship. Here's what 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. In other words, the more we know God, guys, the more it moves us from maybe a place of being scared of God to a place of respecting God to ultimately being a man who worships God. A real man worships God. And then verse one ends though by saying that God is looking for those people, those men who don't just know God, who don't just know what this book says, but ultimately those who walk in obedience to him. Men, God is not just looking for people who know him, but he's looking for people who follow what he says, his ways, not your ways, not your daddy's ways, not what the world would say a man is, not what your buddies say, but someone that would be aligned up under God and his plans and his truths and would live their life in such a way that God would be able to bless them as a follower of his. And I believe that if you will begin to live the way that we have mapped out in this series, if you will be a man who realizes you have a call to lead, If you'll be willing to admit you got some weaknesses, if you'll be willing to remember where your strength comes from, if you will acknowledge that a life of surrender is where true strength is found, then I believe what Psalms tells us here is that blessed is that man. Blessed is that man who fears God and walks in obedience to his commands. Now, verse two that we read a second ago says that you will eat the fruit of your labor. What is he talking about? Well, I believe he's talking about that your work life could be profitable and fruitful. Your work life could be profitable and fruitful. If you remember all the way back to week one of our series, we looked at Genesis chapter three. You remember what happened? God created a perfect plan in the garden and Adam and Eve did what? They purposely went the other way. And scripture says that when sin was introduced in that moment, there was a curse, there was effects that came out of that. Do you remember what it was? Ladies, it made childbirth painful. Fellas, it did this. It cursed the labor that we do. It made what we do, our work, difficult. It brought sweat from the brow. And scripture is telling us here though, guys, 
that when you seek God, when you trust him, when you follow him, and it begins to affect every part of your life, that God can slowly begin to reverse that curse in your life. That God can bless you by making your work meaningful and productive. In other words, God could bring some sense of enjoyment to your labor. Some of you make a pretty good living, but you got zero joy doing it. You ain't happy. And God says here, when you trust me, when you follow me, when you find your identity and purpose in me, I can bring joy to your journey of labor. I will begin to help you see your work with purpose and give you passion for it. A godly man first impacts his own personal life. But go back with me to verse 3 of Psalm 128. It says, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. Here we see, second, that a godly man impacts his family. A godly man not only impacts his own personal life, but he's leaving an impact beyond him. And so a godly man impacts his family. In other words, his wife begins to feel different. His children begin to act different because this man has taken on the role that God's given him to be the leader over his house. Now, the vine and the olive that were mentioned in verse 3 in this, in this day were signs of abundant life. They were signs of blessing and prosperity in this day. Now, first, men, I want us to see this. Husbands, we realize that our wife can be blessed through us. Psalm 128 compares her to a vine. Now, fellas, this doesn't mean that your wife is like that annoying vine growing up the side of your house that you can't get rid of. That ain't what he's saying, okay? What he's saying here is he compares her to a vine, and he's leaning into the behaviors, the characteristics of a vine. I don't know if you've ever watched what a vine does or studied how that it grows, but first, a vine clings to something right? It clings to a tree or the side of a wall, or it clings to a wire or whatever it is that it's growing with. It clings to something. Husbands, here's what this means. Husbands, your wife is meant to be blessed by you, by you becoming a place of security and comfort and provision and hope so that, so that she can cling to you and not to the world. Scripture would charge you to be that place where she finds value and encouragement and life and joy next to her relationship with God. But let me ask you this, guys. If you were your wife, would you come to you for wisdom and guidance? Fellas, we must become that place where our wife can land, where she can cling to apart from the things of the world and find an identity, not in anger, not in frustration, not in bitterness, but where she can find a place of hope and security. A vine not only clings, but then what happens once it clings, it begins to crawl, right? And it begins to grow. And a vine will crawl all the way to the top of the tallest tree. And again, what we realize here, fellas, is that God designed you not to squash your wife's potential, but he designed you to bring out the best in her. He designed you to be a place where she can come and confide and grow and spread her wings and become the woman that God designed her to be. You can grow her or you can crush her. The choice is up to you. But not only does the vine cling, not only does it grow, but it then finally it clusters, right? And it begins to, to get larger. And then it produces. It produces whether it's uh, grapes or fruit or whatever that vine might produce. It begins to produce life. Men, your wife has something to offer to you, to your family, to our world, to our community. But yet our demeanor, our leadership, our attitude sets the tone for her to become who she needs to be. Our wife finds blessing, or should we say even sometimes fails to find blessing 
through us as husbands. But Psalm 128 goes beyond that. And it says, then your children will be like olive shoots or plants. I don't know if you know a whole lot about an olive plant. I didn't until this week and I learned some things. An olive plant can take a really long time to produce. Some olive plants can take up to 15 years to actually produce something. But then once they begin to produce, they can produce for a long, long time, like thousands of years. And what we see here, guys, dads, is that in the same way we have a chance to lead and to love our children in such a way that they produce life fruit that lasts and stands a long, long time. Now, how do you do that? How do you do that in 2018 with all that our culture has? Here's one of the ways, I believe, by caring about their soul more than caring about their worldly success. By caring about their soul more than about their worldly success. This means that at the end of this life, the goal is not for your son or your daughter to become the best ball player that they could be or to be the best gymnast or the best dancer or the smartest kid in the class. All really good things. But the goal at the end of this life is to raise up young children who know God, who listen to him, and who know how to follow what he says. That's a man who leaves an impact on the children in his world. So many problems in our culture today can be traced all the way back to problems that started in the family. And so many times it started with dads. Counselors have gone so far as to label it. Maybe you've heard the term daddy wound before. And as a result of that, prisons are filled with people who never got the blessing of a father. The business place is filled with people trying to live up to the approval of a father or a dad that they never got. See, when dads don't love and when dads don't lead, they can leave a void that stays for a long, long time. And men, we've been created not just to help make babies, but we've been created to help raise up image bearers of God. Young men and young women who are created in God's image, who are put under our influence to help grow up to become like Jesus. Can I ask you a question, guys? If your kid grew up and became the same age you are, and all they ever knew about God was what you had told them now and what you'd modeled for them, would you feel really good about who they are in Christ? Because the truth is, that's what's happening. Then we have an incredibly, eternally impacting role to leave a legacy, to make an impact on those that God has put under us, specifically our kids. Yesterday, my daughter and I were driving back home from somewhere, and we got cut off by a train. I immediately got frustrated. I was like, good gracious, we're going to be late. I got this to do. I got to be here. How long is this train going to sit here? My daughter, on the other hand, immediately saw it as an opportunity to have a deep conversation with her dad about something that she had read from her Bible that she had questions about and wanted to ask her dad about. Needless to say, in that moment, my attitude changed from frustration to gratitude real quick. Why? Because I always want my daughter to feel that she can ask her dad those questions. And I always want her to know that he's interested. Guys, we have a chance to leave a lasting impact. If you look in Psalm 128, verse 3, it says, like olive shoots around your table. Like olive shoots around your table. How many of you guys remember growing up? I mean, this is old school right here. How many of you remember eating together as a family around the table? Anybody remember that? Anybody out there? Okay, you, you actually ate together around the table. To me, that's kind of a lost art nowadays. I like to say that we don't eat around the table anymore. We actually eat around our devices. That's kind of more, is that not how it works, right? I remember growing up at my parents' house when we actually ate a lot of meals together around the table. And in those moments, we would have conversations about family and about life and uh, school and all the different things going on. 
we would interact and share that time together. Now at my house, I'll admit, we have a TV in our kitchen. And I admitted to my wife not too long ago in a conversation that I feel there's probably many moments where I've failed as the leader and the man over my house because I've allowed us to eat dinner around the TV rather than around life shared together. See, it's the everyday moments of life, men, where we make an impact, where we leave a legacy, and we have a chance to point our kids towards Christ. In these days, when a Jewish man, like in Psalm 128, when a Jewish man sat down at the table, he wasn't there to feed his face, but he was there to feed the faith of his children. And part of what Psalms is communicating, guys, is when you make that consistent investment in the lives of your wife and your children, God will bless their life through you. God will bless their life through you. Now, listen to me, guys. I'm not trying to give you more things to do. Now, I know you're hearing this and you're going, man, I got to do all these different things and change all this. I believe so much of what we're talking about today is not so much about doing, but it's really about being. It's not about 12 new disciplines to put into your everyday or to put into your week, but it's about literally allowing God to shape who you are. It's about being who God's called you to be. And men, I'm convinced that God can shape and he can turn the hearts of your wife and of your kids in ways that you never can. Husbands, listen to me. I believe that God is so powerful that he can soften the hard heart of your wife and turn it back towards you. Now listen to me. It may take a long time for it to soften because you've been an idiot for a long time. But I believe that God is powerful enough to begin to soften her heart and turn it back towards you to begin to see you as a different man when you begin to love and lead and be the man that God's called you to be. What about our kids? Some of our kids can be difficult and cause us great heartache. Amen, parents? That was your cue. Truth is, you can raise your kids right and they can still make dumb choices. Kids, that's on you. Listen to me, young ones. Students, your parents love you. And your mom and dad are doing the best that they can to raise you up, to know God and to provide for you and to give you all the things that your heart desires. But you have a responsibility while you're under their roof and even when you grow up and are out from under their roof to honor them, to obey them, to respect them. Scripture says that there is a long life of blessing given to the child who honors their parents. Sometimes it's on the kids, but listen to me, guys. Sometimes it's on the parents. Sometimes it's on us to be that man, to be that dad, to leave that impact. And I believe that God could even turn the hearts of your kids when you begin to walk it out and model it. Scripture says that in the end times, one of the things that will happen is that God will turn the hearts of fathers back to their kids and kids back towards their fathers. Dads, husbands, God wants you to leave a positive impact, lasting legacy on your family. Now listen to me, this don't mean your family's not gonna go through hard times. This doesn't mean you're not gonna have to navigate difficult waters. But here's what it does mean, that when you walk through those situations, you will have a place of joy and purpose and provision and wisdom and guidance that nothing of this world can offer. God's called us as men to impact our families. But look back at verse 5. Psalm 128 verse 5 says, May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. See, here's the third area I think a godly man impacts. And that's this, a godly man impacts his church. A godly man impacts his church. Verse five says, the Lord bless you from Zion. Now what's Zion? Maybe you've heard that read before in a scripture verse or maybe even sang a song that you were marching to Zion and you don't even know where you're marching to. What does that mean? Here's what scripture would teach us. Originally, Zion was a mountain that the Jebusite people had that no one could capture. However, David did. Why? 
because I think God blesses a man who fears the Lord, and David was that guy. Then it went from being called Mount Zion to being called the city of David. So David captures Zion, which wasn't supposed to happen. And so then Zion becomes known as the place where the temple, where God's presence dwelt. Here's what Psalm 74 verse 2 says. Remember the nation, God, that you purchased long ago, the people of your inheritance, whom you redeemed, Mount Zion, where you dwelt. In other words, it was more than just the place of the temple, but it was the people of God that God dwelt in. Then in the New Testament, Zion takes on a whole new meaning. It becomes a prophetic hope, Hebrews says, of the place when Jesus returns where we will meet God. That place will be called Zion. So if Zion was the place where God dwelt with his people, then the temple was no longer that place. Because scripture says that when Jesus came and he died and he left, that he gave us the power of his spirit to live in the hearts of believers. So Zion is no longer a building, but Zion is now wherever the people of God are, where they gather. In other words, Zion is the church. And so men, what God is saying is that he desires that you would impact your church, whether it's this church or wherever you are connected. First, I believe the way that you impact your church is you just are there. God wants you to be here. He wants you to be present to experience the promises and the provisions and the power of God with God's people. God wants you to be present. And I realize that there are many churches today that don't have many men in them because their messages are basically that for you to be a Christian means you got to do all these woman-like things, to sing in a choir, to sit in rows, and to share all your deepest feelings. And here's what I'm going to tell you guys. I know there's a lot of you that said, well, that's what it takes, then I don't want to be one. But guys, what I want you to see that God's word lays out is it lays out scripture and characters all throughout God's word is that for you to be a Christian doesn't mean that you have to check your man card at the door. God needs strong men, bold men, courageous men who would stand up for their faith and for their family and for those that they lead. God wants you to be present with your church and he wants you to lead your family to be present as well. I heard a quote a long time ago that said, men who do not lead their families to weekly worship are typically not leading their families at all. And you can argue that quote if you want to, but I've been in ministry for over a decade, and I'll tell you that 99% of the time, that's true. I've rarely seen a man who's personally walking with Jesus, who's connected with his church consistently, who's serving with his life, who's trusting God with his finances, who's honoring God in the area of purity and trusting God and truth and honesty, and then failing to lead his family. It just doesn't happen that way. God's looking for men who would be present and engaged with the church, but God doesn't just want you to be present with your church, but he wants you to be connected to the church in action. See guys, we we get it all mixed up. Church isn't a place that we go. But church is the people of God who are being transformed by God to go out and transform the world. That's what church is. But we get it mistaken to be 60 minutes inside of a box in a building with some songs and a guy who hopefully makes us laugh on a Sunday. No, that's not it. Church is called to action in our life. And God's desire is that, guys, you would be a contributor in your church. And I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about God has given you a calling. He's given you a story. He's given you gifts to be a contributor in your church. For some of you as men, that may mean looking like playing an instrument or running some technical equipment to help a gathering of believers think about Jesus and worship him. For some of you, that might mean getting engaged with a small group of junior high guys or high school guys to pour life into them in that critical area of life. 
For some of you, that could mean stepping up and leading a life group. Well, I'm not qualified. Do you love Jesus? Yeah, you are. Maybe that might mean discipling another man. Or maybe that means connecting with our safety team, or our construction team, or our guest services team to pour out, to be a provider and a contributor inside of the context of our family. I'll just be honest with you. This past week, I got a chance to watch a lot of Camp Kid Life happen, and it was a phenomenal week. But can I tell you one of the greatest joys of the whole week, what it was? It was to watch some of the men, some of the grown men in our family lay their pride down and go face first deep, engaging the kids in our community with life and truth of Jesus because the truth is they're probably not getting it from another father figure. That's a real man. That's a man who's engaged with his church, who's a contributor to his spiritual family. And every man needs a spiritual father who's further along in the faith than them, who's pouring back into them. You need some brothers in the faith with you who are walking with you. And every man who's in Christ really needs some spiritual sons up underneath him that he's pouring life back into. Scripture says, look at this, guys. God will bless you from Zion. Here's what I'm taking that to mean. God's blessing to you and your family will flow in correspondence to your connection with Jesus' church. That's his rule, not mine. Now, can you be a Christian all by yourself in isolation? You can. You just won't be a very prosperous or blessed one. Then God has called us to engage, to be present, to be the leader in our spiritual family and to be connected and be men of action in our family. And look with me again, verses five and six. It says, may the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. Here's the final thing today, guys. A godly man impacts his community. A godly man will impact his community. These phrases that we just read, prosperity of Jerusalem, peace be on Israel, what that's making mention of is the effect that these believers have on those around them. Men, hear this. Our society's problems are never going to be fixed with more money or more laws or more government engagement or less government engagement. Not going to be fixed by a Republican or a Democrat or Libertarian, all three of them together. It's not. Our society's problems will begin to change when Christ-following men and women and students begin to rise up to step into the God-given calling on us to be the church, the hope of the world that Jesus called us to be. That's when the community begins to change. God's desire for us as men and leaders is that we would demonstrate God and his character wherever we are, wherever we are. Fellas, I don't know if you realize, but we're two and a half months away from the kickoff of college football season. Can I get an amen from all my guys? Oh, that's the loudest you've been all day. Where you been the last 30 minutes, man? Right? A lot of amens in the room. All the Bulldogs feel really good as long as Fitz is happy, and all the Rebels are still trying to figure out if Matt Luch can be a head coach, right? And I'm just going to say roll tied to all of it, okay? Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. When you go to a football game, guys, when you go to a football game, do you, have you ever been to a football game to watch the guys huddle? No. Like, you, you never... I'm going to say you never have sat in the stands and gone like, look at that. Look at them straight rows that they get in all together every time. They clap together like they must have been practicing this. Like they're all talking. They all run the same play. Right? You don't go to the game to watch them talk about what they could or should do. No, you don't do that. What do you go to the game for? You go to the game to watch them run the play to hit the long touchdown pass, to make the long run, to have the big hit or the big tackle. 
You go to the game to watch the play. Listen to me, guys. Church is our huddle. Can I just tell you something? Ain't nobody studying our huddle. The devil ain't real scared of just our little huddle. Our huddle for 60 minutes Sunday and changing our community. What happens is that God's empowered us. He's called us as men, as the leaders, to call break on the huddle and to go out and begin to walk in the design and the calling and the truth that God has put on our life in your business, in your neighborhood, in your school, on your ball team, in your community, in your family, and guys, in your marriage. God's called you to run the play, to run the play God's way, according to God's truth and God's plan so that you can experience God's blessing. God's called you to run the play. For Father's Day today, I brought one of my favorite pictures of me and my dad. You guys put that up. It's my dad, Mike. Uh, my dad and I share a lot of things in common, right? We, uh, one, we share the same name in our names. His name's Michael. I've got Michael in my name as well. Uh, we also share a passion for ministry. He's been in ministry all of my life, and now I have an opportunity to do that as well. Uh, a lot of people say that we look a lot alike. Maybe you can't tell the sunglasses on, but when I was little, I got called Mike Jr., okay? And we also share a passion and a love for, for Alabama football. See, my, my dad has been a rock in my life for as long as I can remember. He was my biggest fan whenever I played sports, hardly ever missed a game. He's always been a voice of encouragement whenever I was stressed or overwhelmed. He's always one phone call away or even one visit away for wisdom on parenting, on ministry, even on life. But you know, the, the most constant and the most impacting thing that my dad ever did for me was my dad, there was no doubt whether my dad loved God and wanted to follow his ways and his commitment to Jesus bride, the church. When I was growing up, I never questioned whether my dad loved God. Never questioned whether he wanted to follow God in his ways. He wasn't perfect, but he had a desire to follow God and trust his word. I never had to question whether my dad was committed in his faith to the local church. I saw him be connected. And I saw him be a man of action in his faith. And I have no doubt, no doubt whatsoever that his life has impacted my faith journey and my ministry journey because of the impact, the lasting impact that he made on me. Brought another picture with me today. This is one of my favorites. Look at this one. That's me and my dude. My little five-year-old guy, Braylon. We were the Tigers last year. We didn't, we didn't win a lot of games, but we had a lot of fun. You know, he's my bud. And we share a lot of things in common too. The beginning of his name is kind of part of my name. Uh, we both like to watch and play sports all the time. He's a little bit of a perfectionist, kind of like his dad. And uh, I'm also raising him up to be an Alabama football fan. So I'm leaving a really good legacy, right? Now, you know what? We, we share a lot of things in common. But this past week, after a long night of him hanging out, camp kid life, having a whole bunch of fun, my wife and I tucked him in bed. And we walked out of the room, and he called me back in. And at first, I was just annoyed because I thought he was just another tactic to stay up a little bit longer. But he told me he had a question. And as he began to talk, he began to ask some questions about Jesus and some things that he'd heard at Camp Kid Life. Needless to say, my attitude changed, and I locked in. And I did my best to answer his questions. See, we've been having a lot of conversation about what does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus. And in this just moment, it was just one more opportunity for him to dig a little bit deeper and ask some more questions. And so, man, as a dad, I did the best I could to answer his questions and talk about what he'd heard. As I walked out of his room that night, man, it hit me just like this, the reminder that the greatest impact that I can have on that little dude is not to make him the greatest baseball player or football player. 
although I love to watch them. It's not to make them the smartest student in the class. It's not to send them to the right college or even to help them grow up one day and make a ton of money. But the greatest impact that I can have on that guy is to help him to know what it looks like to listen to God, to follow him with his life, and to do what he says. And the greatest way that I can make that happen is to model it as a man over his house. Men, you've been called to make an impact. You're making an impact, whether you realize it or not. On your wife, on your kids, on your friends, at your workplace. So the question today is, will you accept the challenge? Will you step into the challenge to make an impact where others can look at you and see the character of God in you? And where others can look at you and be drawn towards the obedience of your life towards Christ? You've been called to make an impact. So will you accept the challenge to be the man that God has called you and designed you to be? I want to pray for us. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.